Well, hello and welcome to Northeast Georgia Health Systems Health Perspectives podcast. I'm your host, Christy Moore, Director of Community Health Improvement. So welcome, and we are recording this around the holiday season, so a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays out there in listening land, as well as those here in the studio with me. So I mentioned the holidays not only um, to sort of date this podcast, but also just to draw a little bit of a, a reference to gifts. You know, different religions, different people have different reasons to celebrate this season, but I think one thing we can all agree on is that the birth of a child is indeed a special gift. And really, that's what we're going to talk about today, kind of what to expect when you're expecting. So this is going to be a four-part podcast, beginning with what to expect when you come to the hospital for labor and delivery. So In our studio today, I have with me two special guests. One is Candace Ledford. She's our nurse manager in labor and delivery at NGMC Gainesville. And Megan Cargyle, she is nurse manager of labor and delivery and mother baby in Brazelton. So welcome, ladies. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yes. So... Just to start off, let's talk a little bit about, well, what's the difference between labor and delivery and mother-baby, those different kind of parts of care? Yeah. So those are just two different departments here at the hospital at Gainesville and at Brazelton. Basically, the labor and delivery department is where you are from the time you come in until about two hours after you have your baby. And then you transfer over to the mother-baby department and stay there until you go home. Gotcha. So are there different expectations at different hospital facilities? So is there something different to expect if you come to NGMC Gainesville to deliver versus NGMC Brazelton? There aren't many differences between Gainesville and Brazelton. We try to keep our visitation policies the same. We try to keep our entry points the same. So aren't a lot of differences. Um, Now that Brazelton has a mother-baby department, you're moving out just like you are in the Gainesville hospital as well. Yeah, I think one thing to say, though, the only difference would be is there are certain providers that practice at the different facilities. So if you're a Longstreet Clinic patient, for example, they deliver in Gainesville. And for Northeast Georgia Physicians Group or NGPG, there's a Brazelton office and a Gainesville office. And so you would want to go to the hospital where your provider is. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Very good. Are there other um, things to think about um, other than probably just geography? I mean, I guess if some moms live closer to Brazelton, they might choose Brazelton? Anything else that kind of you've seen go into those decisions? Moms typically have a OB provider that they see or a GYN provider that they see, and they base their decisions off of that um, because each provider delivers at a different hospital. So a lot of that decision is driven off of who the provider is. Very good. So say someone is in labor and they think they're ready to come to the hospital, what, what do 
what advice, what should moms do or moms-to-be do at that point? Typically, um, the providers or your doctor or midwife would tell you that if you think you might be in labor and you think it's time to come, to just give them a call, especially if it's, you know, during the daytime, during office hours. But even if it's not, you can call your provider and leave a message for the on-call provider because they probably want to know that you're heading in. So we kind of recommend that you give them a call, let them know what's going on, and they can direct you that way. But of course, it's always okay to just come to the hospital if you think you need to be seen. Good. Mm -hmm. Sounds like as with anything else, communication is key. Mm -hmm. Very good. What advice do you have as far as when to pack bags, what to pack in bags? Um, I'm sure that's a big question for moms. Moms can pack their bags as early as they want to. Um, around 36 weeks, you would want to start making sure your bags are packed. Your um, OB appointments are going to get more frequent. So you want to be prepared in case at one of those appointments, they ask you to come to the hospital for some reason. Yeah. And I think the important thing is to know that we have everything at the hospital to take care of you and your baby safely. Um, So if you forget something, it's okay. We'll get it for you or you could have someone bring it to you. But there's a couple of things that we don't have that you would need for going home like a car seat for the Mm -hmm. baby and comfortable clothes for you to wear and for the baby to wear home. But other than that, um, unless there's something that you just really specifically want, like your, you know, special shampoo or your slippers, some good non-slip slippers for the hospital. We have everything to take care of you and your baby, so you don't really have to worry. That should put people's minds at ease, I'm sure. Well, it's been a super long time since I had (laughs) a little one. He's 21 now, but I can, you know, you always remember all those details because Mm -hmm. it was such an important time. How long nowadays do moms stay in the hospital Given that there's no complications that cause them to stay a really long time, what's the average? That really depends on what kind of delivery they have. They may have a vaginal delivery or a C-section. For our vaginal delivery moms, they usually stay 24 to 48 hours. Um, C-section moms, usually about three days. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about what my chart actually is and how that works for patients. My chart is an electronic record for the patient so they can track all of their appointments, their lab results, speak to their physician. So if they have a question, if they need a prescription, um, all of that communication can be done through my chart. That's really, it, it is really a great tool. That's, I must say, one of the tools that wasn't available 21 years ago um, in my case. So are both of you ladies mothers as well? Yes. Yes, we both are. Actually, we both um, delivered four years ago, had babies four years ago, Candace at Gainesville, of course, and me at Brazelton. So um, we both have more than one child, but have had babies here in the last five years. So firsthand experience. That's right. They were about six weeks apart. That's I think right. I came back from maternity leave and she left the next oh, wow. day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Very good. Tell us a little bit about visitors and who's kind of allowed to come and who's allowed to stay if you want someone to stay with you? How does all that work? So when you first come in to labor and delivery, um, 
more than likely we're going to put you into an observation room or a triage room, as we call it. In those rooms, we only allow one support person to come in and be with you, mainly because the room is a little bit smaller than the room you're going to be in uh, for your labor and delivery. And because we're just really trying to figure out what's going on and do an assessment on you and baby. So in triage, it's just one. Now, once you're admitted um, into labor and to have into a labor and delivery room, you can have two support people with you. Um, for the length of your labor and until you're transferred to your postpartum room on mother baby. Now it is the same two people. They can't switch in and out. So you would, you know, need to maybe think about that before you come in, who you're planning to have with you. Um, And then those two people will be the ones that will stay. And then once you go to postpartum, it's a little bit uh, more open. So your children are allowed to come in. So siblings of the newborn And there's no limit on how many of them, because I have five children, so I would want all of mine to come in, right? And then you can have um, two adult visitors along with your main support person, and they can switch in and out. So grandparents can come and they can switch with aunt and uncle or vice versa. I know with the pandemic, our visiting policy ebbs and flows, depending on what's going on with the virus and um levels of transmission and so forth but on a normal during normal times what is the deal with visitors this seems to be our most common uh, visitation policy that we have Um, we have we prior to covid were allowing five visitors to come into labor and delivery we haven't been able to return to that because covid just has not gone away Um, we hope to one day be able to do that And can mothers bring birthing plans and are those things that are spoken with the doctor beforehand or how does how does that play into it? Yeah, so we um, recommend that if you would like to have a birthing plan or a birth plan, that you definitely talk about that with your provider, because it would be something that you would want to make sure they are um, aware of. But then also to bring a copy of it uh, to the hospital with you. And it's really simple. It doesn't have to be anything major or or anything that you stress about. Actually, if you just go to Google and type in birth plan, you can find all kind of templates that can kind of guide you in creating one. But the important thing is just that communication, like we talked about before. Make sure that your provider is aware of it. When you get to the hospital, you give it to your nurse and that you're just, you you know, vocal about here are my wishes. And remembering that we'll do everything that we can to make those um, things happen and to abide by your wishes on your birth plan, all while making sure that you and baby are safe and that you have a good experience. I imagine some of the birth plans that you all have seen can range from super detailed down to the last detail to pretty general. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think an important thing and a question that I've gotten from some moms is, do I have to have a birth plan? And the answer to that is no. Um, You definitely want to educate yourself on what the birthing process is so you kind of understand that. But we'll walk you through every step and provide any education that you need while you're here. Makes sense. And it seems like one of the biggest things is, do I, am I going to get an epidural or not? And Some of that probably varies depending on the case with the mom, but I know some women come in with specific thoughts on that ahead of time, but like anything else, I bet that can change on a dime. It does. Yeah. And um, I think the important, one of the important things is to remember that things can change 
and that um, we are open to whatever you, you know, prefer. And we'll walk you through, like Candace said, with any questions that you have, explain everything and make sure that you're making good decisions, well-informed decisions for what's best for you and your, and your experience, but that things can and do change and that's okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, speaking of um, education and giving thought to some of those things, what kind of classes are available now before someone comes in to give birth? Yeah, so the three main classes that we offer are a um, prepared childbirth class, and it's offered at both campuses. You can find out about all of the classes on NGHS.com and just go under the service line of women's and children's. Um, So the prepared childbirth class, we also offer a newborn parenting class and a breastfeeding class. And all three of them are super great classes. They're taught by staff members here at the hospital with tons of information about, you know, childbirth, parenting and breastfeeding. Is the breathing thing still really big or is that kind of (laughs) falling to the wayside? Because I, for one, could tell you they, they taught me a lot of great things. But when I was in the moment... I really wasn't thinking about breathing. Right. right. <laughs> it's still taught. Lama's breathing is still a thing that's taught. Um, you know, you talked about epidurals earlier. There is a pretty high rate of epidurals today, and that's okay. Um, but like we said, just to remember that things can change. They do change. And um, if you choose to go and get an epidural or if you choose to go natural, as we call it, either way, we're going to support you. And uh, make sure you get through the process. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I think we talked a little bit about length of stay and how long moms are in labor and delivery. Um, Should moms bring their normal medications with them while they're here, be it short or a little bit longer? I would say no. Most most moms have medications that are ordered by their physician, their OB, and we have all of those here at the hospital. So we don't want them to lose them while they're here. Um, so it's best for them to just keep those at home and we will get whatever they need. This reminds me, a lot of the topics that we're talking about today, I know that I've read a couple of blogs about um, these topics and they too can be found on NGHS.com if People are interested. What about planning for meals for mom and family while they're here? How does that work? Well, the patient, the mom, definitely does not need to worry about meals while she's here. Um, Of course, she'll be fed breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then snacks in between. And we offer a wide range of a variety of snacks. Um, But also, she can bring things if she'd like. And a lot of times, you know, people will order DoorDash or pizza or send their significant other out to go get their favorite food after they deliver, Um, especially if it's things they haven't had in nine months that they're craving. (laughs) Um, But we will absolutely take care of the patient and feed them as well as the baby. So if you choose to breastfeed or or formula feed, we're going to assist you with either. Now for visitors or significant other or support people, they will need to plan for meals and of course, they can go to our cafe or our cafeterias and, and get food from the hospital. And then they're also welcome to order food out or go pick up something that they'd like. Going back for a minute to classes, I, I know that there's so much to share with new mothers and they're here a relatively short period of time. So you've kind of really got just that small window of opportunity. Um, what about other 
educational topics like sudden infant death syndrome and some of those things. Um, do some of the nurses spend time maybe talking with moms about other items of interest? Yes. So we offer several different ways that we educate our patients and their um, visitors and significant others. One is through written material. So everyone gets a pretty large booklet after they deliver. Um, It's a guide to postpartum care, and it has literally everything you could want to know about how to take care of yourself and the baby after you have a baby. Um, But we also have videos that we play. We also have um, some technology called Yomingo that we use, um, which can be accessed through the patient's smartphone even or computer or tablet. So there's multiple different methods of education we provide, and the staff are all trained in how to give that education as well. Um, And then we have interpretation services also in Spanish printed versions of these things for our for our Spanish speaking patients also. That's really great. That's really helpful. The ability to log in to Yomingo is actually provided by the offices prenatally. So there is some information in there about pregnancy and delivery also. Very good. Do you all have an idea off the top of your head about how many deliveries a year we have? Yes, absolutely. Um, In Brazelton, we do about 1,200, 1,250 deliveries a year. And in Gainesville, we're doing about 3,500. Yeah, It's a lot of babies. Yeah. A whole lot of babies. (laughs) A lot of fun. (laughs) Well, let's go back just a minute and talk a little bit more about COVID and the COVID vaccine. What are the recommendations for pregnant women? It is recommended that women who are pregnant receive the COVID vaccine. And that is supported through evidence from a couple of different places that we look at. One is ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And one is AWAN, which is the Association of Women's Health Obstetrical and Neonatal Nurses. Both of those absolutely support and recommend vaccine, um, COVID vaccines for pregnant people. Yes. And I know a lot of physicians are very open to having these conversations mm-hmm. with their patients and that those concerns can be discussed and addressed. And um, I know that a great many physicians have spoken out on this and encouraging um, pregnant women to, to get the vaccine and knowing all the evidence behind that is so important. Right. And also, if you haven't had your vaccine when you're in the hospital, we will ask you if you'd like to get it. And we can actually go ahead and give you that first dose before you go home. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Do you happen to know, um, what about the flu vaccine? Can pregnant women get the flu? Yes, same story. It is definitely recommended. And if you haven't had it and want it, we can uh, give that to you before you go home as well. Very good. Well, I think we've covered everything today. We've covered a lot of ground, a lot of good information to know. Um, And as we've mentioned, there are a lot of great sources online, on the internet, But just one caution, be sure you double check your sources of information as you're out there. And one of the best sources is at NGHS.com. So thank you so much to our guests. And I want to wish all our listeners a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday Season.